Hey, folks, I'm Tom. Keith Jones here. A reminder, as we do typically at this point, right before the weekly Front Row Knowles podcast begins, don't forget about the Dunlap Champions Club. Football season is creeping closer, and that means you need to take care of yourself. If you haven't been in there yet, many of you probably have at this point. It's a tremendous experience. Chairback seats, food and beverage, air conditioning when needed. Uh, it's a great facility. You and I have had the opportunity to be there for some other functions up there on the fourth floor, not related to football, and obviously that entire facility uh, really added a great deal to Dope Campbell Stadium and really adds a great deal to the game day experience. Hey, it's a really, really good experience. If you haven't been in there or if you have and you want to learn more, call them, take a tour, uh, check it out. Uh, do yourself a favor this season, even if you have other tickets or you don't want to commit to uh, a five-year agreement for club seats in the in the Dunlap Champions Club, go ahead and sample at least for one game or get a three-game ticket pack. And the three-game ticket packs, you get to choose Virginia Tech, Clemson, or Florida, one of those three games. And then the other two games come from the remaining home schedule, which is Samford, Northern Illinois, Wake Forest, or Boston College. It's only 700 bucks for those three games. Includes all your food and non-alcoholic beverage. Uh, beverage is well worth it. Very much so. And again, uh, we've got some nighttime kicks, but sometime during the year there's going to be some afternoon games in that sun and being able to get inside and enjoy those uh, air-conditioned facilities, uh, a great plus on game day. Visit Seminoles.com backslash tickets for more information. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. The news is great, KJ. As we say good evening, I have looked at the calendar, and it reads August. What does that mean, Tommy? What happens in August? Football happens in August. (laughs) Granted, it will be late August before it's any football of significance. Actually, actually it'll be in September, technically, for Florida Florida State. State. But I'm just using football. Yeah, we've got... We've got ugly preseason. We've got nonstop practice reports. We've got false hope, but at least we are one day closer and one month closer because it is August. Uh, I guess the two things that are foremost on folks' mind is when do the kids report once the first day of practice? I've not heard. I've not gotten the official word, but by my calculations, I, I suspect they'll report Saturday or Sunday. Technically, most of them are here already. And then first, uh, first of the uh, what do you call that? The acclimation practices, acclimation periods. Most likely it'll be Monday, you think? We'll ask our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt when he joins us next segment. And then number two, the continuing, um, I guess it's still a rumor or story. Again, nothing out officially that uh, for the first time in Florida State history, they may take the uh, pre-game, uh, pre-camp, uh, pre-season uh, camp on the road and head down to uh, IMG for one, two, three, five, or a couple days. days. Right. Yeah, well, it, it is a, a new order, no question. And uh, now we get to see the proof in the pudding that's on the field. That's what people are most excited about. A lot of hype, obviously, leading up this Virginia Tech game. It's definitely more fun when it's a first opponent of significance as opposed to a a patsy, so that always adds to it. Last week, we talked about the quarterback situation with everybody thinking that the seesaw had tipped in favor of DeAndre Francois at this point. What are the other most intriguing position battles 
that you have an eye on as we go into fall camp? Well, we talked last week about the one thing I'm going to look for is the offensive line, and that has to do with the segment and, and how they adapted to the new offense relative to how long to hold blocks and how to make calls and that type of Can thing. Can I jump in real quick? Yeah. For all the things offensively, all the questions, and all the – negative talk I hear about Alec Eberly. I mean, if you were going to put – there's 11 guys on offense. I mean, Eberly being consistent and maybe better than what he's been at times, that's probably not even in my top five questions. I mean, you've got to find a quarterback, first of all. You've got to get the whole team to deal with the tempo. You've got to figure out which receivers are going to be your guys. You've got to replace a tight end. And I'd probably put the other four offensive line positions in front of Eberly. And yet everywhere I go, I run into these conversations about Alec this, Alec that. I think part of that, uh, and, I, and I'm not one of them, but so I'm defending a position I don't hold, but I think part of that has to do with the fact that he has been hurt and or played hurt for most of his career. And we've had only a few games when you have seen him quote unquote at his best and so people have question marks in there in answer to your question um the, the other thing that uh, a couple of things that jump out at me is is linebacker play uh, i think we've talked about the fact that there's not as many bodies there but we've also i think made the case that you don't need as many bodies as you did five or ten years ago because basically it's a four two five defense you're going to play with two linebackers not three and then uh, the, the second part of that is the wide receivers not that we we're worried about their production, but will their production be what we think it can be with all the, the resources they have there with DJ and and uh, Nooney and and I mean will they will they finally get over that hump in terms of making the catches and and yards after the catch and that type of thing that goes into this Gulf Coast offense? So beside that offensive line and quarterback, I look at linebackers and wide receivers, and I think we'll have some answers to those questions, at least early in camp. Don't you think that the wide receivers, because of the scheme and design of this offense, and not as much has been talked about yet, we'll talk about this more when you see it in games, but remember in the spring game how wide the splits were for the receivers? Don't you think that there's liable to be receivers running free a lot more frequently? They're just, In other words, by default, there has to be. They're going to get open on athleticism and not technique and crisp route running, which is not to say that they won't have good technique and run good routes, but it just seems to me there's going to be a lot more of those type plays. I would agree, and I, and I don't know for sure. I mean, I, I can't tell you this emphatically because I haven't been privy to the offensive playbook. I've not talked to the coaches relative to the specific issue but i don't think there is many route adjustments in the gulf coast offense as there were in the prior offense where you were making reads after the snap you know there's going to be a call there's going to be a route to run and you're going to be running and then the quarterback figures out who's open as a former safety kj with the receiver split that wide it forces you to make a decision it forces forces you you really to declare your hand before the snap yeah you've got to get somewhere and the other thing that does, and that's why the Gulf Coast offense, and you and I t- have talked about this, why you know Oregon's running back last year had fifteen or sixteen hundred yards. One of them did, because you've got to commit early, and because you're in space, running backs are running in space. Now, I, I you know if I could get my hands on you, I could get you down. But there are a lot of times I couldn't get my hands on you because I wasn't quick or fast enough. Well, that gets exacerbated in space, and and a, a shifty running back like Mister Akers. Uh, you know, it, it just lends itself to more explosive plays. Um, you know, as the traditionalist in the old school, I don't like it because I like, you know, the I formation with a tight end and two wide outs and 
let's beat you at the point of attack. But welcome to the new college game. And uh, there's nobody that's more um, a part of the change than Willie Taggart and his offensive staff, again, as evidenced by what we saw in the spring game. I'll bring up a memory Florida State fans have tried to forget, and I was there for it, but the debacle against Oregon a few years ago, understanding that was not a Willie Taggart Oregon, and understanding that that was Marcus Mariota, who was pretty doggone good, and understanding that that was Florida State's defense, who has not proven it's very good against tempo teams, at least over the last few years, it was impressive to watch the precision and the pace at which that Oregon team operated. And as the game went on, that game had to do with turnovers in the second half. And that, But that was a lot of NFL guys for Florida State, and Oregon was just shredding it. I mean, even when it looked like you made a nice play, it was still a seven-yard gain. Yeah, you, 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 because you of make the space a play, you're referring to. You make a great play in open space and what normally you would think would be a two- or three-yard gain, and you look up and it's second and three. And And – Again, coming after you, coming after you. And it's not like it's complicated. I mean, it's like, you know, I ran the Veer in high school. And the Veer was not a complicated offense. But it precisely read, if if, 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 if done correctly, you just read the defense and took advantage of what they didn't do. Well, the Gulf Coast offense is a little bit that same way. But now you've got the passing attack coming into it. And uh, it's just diametrically different, uh, dynamically different, uh, you know, than than would be the case. It, I'm excited. You know, it, it, you gotta you gotta execute it, and you've got uh, four weeks and a couple of days to get ready to execute it against Virginia Tech. But when executed properly, it's a real real fun thing to watch. You know what else is a real fun thing? I think you're going to bring up something food related. Taco Thursday at Township. $2 tacos, just thought I'd point that Soft out. Soft or hard? Uh, probably either. I don't know. I actually have not sampled Taco Thursday because I'm usually getting the $5 old school square <laughs> down at Centrale, as a matter of fact, on Thursday. And for you, you know, you can eat lunch in one place and dinner at the other. Yeah, you can. You can. My wife might complain if I didn't come home. Then again, she might celebrate. It just depends on which day of the week it is. Uh, by the way, educators out there, there's a teacher bar crawl this Saturday down at uh, – check in at Madso and go from there. So uh, in honor of uh, having to report back to work, teacher bar crawl for you. We will get our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld on the horn and continue our conversation about Florida State football right after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. We welcome you back to the show and we crank up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline. The Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How about yourself? Good. Side note, I enjoyed your conversation with uh, Jeff Cameron on the show yesterday. I just thought I'd oh, let you know. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so what do you think? The calendar says August. You uh, you ready for are, – are you in shape for training camp? I mean, what kind oh, of condition God. are you in? Oh, I'm ready. I'm in the best shape of my life, feeling good. I've uh, been a productive summer, and uh, I'm ready to go. Tim, I saw you on Monday. Yeah. Don't lie to yourself. That is the best shape of my life. That's the thing. 
You see, you're well, all, well, that's a whole other issue then. <laughs> your, your office is in the same building on campus where they serve honey fried chicken on Fridays, yeah, though. That, so that, that is a, make it tough. Yeah, that does make it tough. So, so what do you think? What's the uh, outside of quarterbacks? And I asked Keith this too. And um, top storylines, top things you want to uncover over the next few weeks as we get into camp. Well, uh, the, uh, the the quarterbacks really is a big one, so I don't want to downplay that. But uh, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing the defense and, and seeing how, how those guys look with uh, so many new faces on staff and new coordinator, uh, seeing how things shake out in the secondary after losing some key pieces, uh, see how things shake out up front after losing some key pieces. Uh, you know, is, is Marvin Wilson healthy? Is he ready to go? Um, you know, some of those, those defensive backs, you know, Stanford Samuels, A.J. Westbrook, are, are they ready to go? And, and what does the defense look like under Harlan Barnett? I know we've uh, we heard a lot during the spring about you know what they intend to be, and I'm, I'm sure that hasn't changed. But uh, seeing where they are in their development and, um, and and how that progress is coming, I think, is outside of quarterbacks is probably the most interesting thing to me. Tim, on the defensive side, which segment needs to be at its best the earliest? Defensive uh, line, linebackers, or secondary? I think the the front seven, and just in terms of uh, the the pass rush. Uh, so if we can kind of cheat and say that, because uh, just because I think uh, that having a good pass rush and, and guys who can just you know beat guys one on one, whether it's you know Brian Burns running around the edge or Demarcus Christmas just you know plunging through the middle of the line, um, any type of growing pains or any type of uh, of um, you know adjustment period that comes with the new defense. Um, having a good pass rush that can get after uh, the the quarterback and, and disrupt those things uh, can really mask any type of, of problems or issues you might have early in the season. So if those guys can get it going and and just uh, you know do what we you know think they can do and know they can do, uh, the rest of the guys can maybe take their time you know, having things fall into place or learning different schemes or different coverages. Do we know the schedule yet of when they report when they? Roll out the footballs and play ball. Now they're asking me if we know the, uh, the the football schedule yet. Yeah, we do. We actually start with Virginia Tech. Oh, is that right? When do we yeah, play Virginia Tech? Pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I meant the uh, practice schedule. Thank you. Though. <laughs> My understanding is a uh, report on Sunday, and practice will start on Monday morning, which I believe will be the first uh, first Monday start for uh, for fall camp in, in quite a long time. I feel like it was always on Wednesday. Well, and that has to do, and I should have looked this up, but it has to do. You you take your first game and you back up a set number of days. I believe is the way the formula works. But yeah, I think that's right. Because there are a number of other schools that are playing earlier that have already started camp. Right, right. Continuing the defensive conversation, I'm not sure if it was Jeff Cameron or if it was the Wake Up War Chant guys. Somebody had uh, an interview with Coach Taggart. I guess it was Wake Up War Chant. I'll give them credit where credit's due. And they asked Taggart, the guy on the team most likely to someday be president. And his answer was Woodby, the freshman from California. So on the one hand, Willie doesn't have a track record with any of these guys that's longer than that. He knows everybody the same length of time. But on the other hand, for a guy that hasn't even played a game yet and has only been here four months, that's a pretty remarkable answer, I thought. that uh, I'm just curious, have you had any interaction with him yet? Uh, I, you I mean, know, what's interesting, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought him up, um, I haven't uh, had a ton of interaction with him yet, um, but I have talked to some folks who do know him. I, I did a story uh, a little while ago, and I don't, I don't think they would mind me sharing this, um, about the, uh, the Student Athlete Advisory Committee, and in particular it was on uh, Brianne Burkert, who's a senior volleyball player, and she's the president. Uh, but in talking to some of the folks who, uh, who, who at FSU who work with, uh, with the advisory committee, uh, they all mentioned Jaden Woodby as, uh, as a player who has, has really kind of taken ownership in this. Uh, in, you know, he's, he's joined uh, SAC, is what they call it, um, and has shown a real kind of uh, interest and, and passion for community service 
and uh, and getting involved. Um, you know, one thing I heard was that uh, he he presented an entire um, like plan, like a PowerPoint presentation about how he plans to to get involved in the community and uh, some service projects he's had in mind and, and, and ways to get uh, get other athletes involved, other teammates involved. Uh, and that's pretty cool in and of itself, right? Um, but it's even cooler, like you're saying. I mean, the dude's been here for like eight months, and, and he's already, uh, you know, you know, putting together plans like that and, and finding ways to, to you know, get involved with his uh, his fellow student athletes and in the community of Florida State and, and Tallahassee, um, and you know, understands why that's important. So, in, in um, keeping with that, I'm told he's a very strong academic uh, freshman as well. I mean, he he's academic pedigree is pretty remarkable in, in some respects yeah so uh so yeah no i like i said i haven't I haven't had a chance to talk with him much myself yet uh, i suspect that'll change hopefully before too terribly long but i can tell you from the people like I said, the people who have interacted with him around the department uh lots of really good reviews so far and uh you know not bad for a guy who uh who wasn't even recruited until a week or so before signing day right yeah yeah exactly you expect him to have a pretty significant impact on the field i think so uh you know i, I do think one thing that, that will carry over uh from um from the old way of doing things is I, I think a lot of DBs are going to play. I think they're going to find ways to, to get those guys involved because they still um, have a lot of really good ones. And so, you know, whether it's you know, playing the traditional safety corner spots, playing the star, playing the, the money or the nickel, the dime, whatever you want to call it, uh, they have so many athletes back there um, that, uh, that I think they're going to find a way for, for those guys to make an impact. And don't forget, I mean, you know, we're, we're all really uh, impressed with, uh, with, with, with what Jaden Woodby has done off the field. But you are talking about a guy with a pretty high pedigree as a high school football player, too, in terms of you know a five-star crew from Southern California, that whole that whole sort of deal, um, you know he's he checks all the boxes you want as far as a guy who has a chance to make an early impact. Maybe he'll go down the way Lamarcus Joyner did as a key early signee for uh, for Jimbo, only this time for uh, for Taggart. What what, what else in, in turn? You know, it, it's so interesting because we we've all talked to him about how Coach Taggart has pushed all the right buttons along the way. Uh, everything off the field. I mean, he, he's he's gotten an A plus across the board, and there's always that. But we got to he's got to win. So so now we're to that point. Do, do you do you expect more changes to practice? I mean, there's music. Have we seen all the changes? There more to come. Um, uh, you know, we're we going to see multiple uniform combinations this year. Is there still stuff that's going to be rolled out here that that uh, because just about every move he's made has been. And not intentionally, just as nature, 180 degrees from where Jimbo was. Right, right. Well, I think the uniforms is, is pretty much a lock. Just uh, not that I've heard anything uh, about that, but just you can kind of tell and look at his track record and some of the places he's been and, and what the players want. Um, you know, he's he's kind of uh, has indicated, you know, in, in the spring and then before that that uh, that that you know uniforms they're not changing, but maybe a little more. Um, uh, more options, I more guess. More color so, combinations. Yeah, there you go. Um, and, you know, for the longest time at Florida State, uh, the, there were two uh, color combinations. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's not too hard to uh, to uh, have a lot more than that. Uh, as far as changes to practice, I don't know. I mean, I think they had a pretty good thing going with the um, with what they did in the spring. I, I'm, I'm curious to see if there are any. But, I, you know, again, I, I think the, the, the mornings are still going to be the way they, they do things. I expect that to, to carry on through uh, – through camp and then also through the regular season. Well, the one, one change I've heard thing. is that the, they will practice on Sunday afternoon evenings and Monday will be the day off. Again, that's on the rumor mill, uh, not been officially announced. Have you heard anything? I, I you know, I, I have heard, uh, I've heard that as well. I, I don't know that officially, but I've heard, uh, like you said, a rumor of that. And uh, apparently, uh, from what I understand, that's actually more common than uh, than I thought it was. Maybe you think it was. 
I think, you know, in our minds, we all just sort of thought that it, it made sense. There are a lot of schools that do it, right. I'm aware. Right, right. A lot of, school, a lot of schools do it that way. Uh, I always just assumed that since Florida State uh, took Sunday off and that that was always the day after games, that that just made sense. But there are uh, plenty of schools out there who uh, who feel otherwise and like getting some work in the day after a game. And so uh, I suspect that could be the case again here. Well, by the time we chat next week, Tim, we will have answers to all these questions. I think so, yeah. Everything uh, will pretty much be settled and we can uh, you know, just kind of go ahead and put it on autopilot until September. I expect you to uh, just go ahead and recite the depth chart uh, first and second string offense and defense, or even the specialists as well when you join us next week, okay? I'll see what I can do. I'll see you after the right fast. He is our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Tim, thanks as always. Bye, Tom. All right, we'll talk with a former Knoll who's got a big weekend ahead when we continue on Front Row Knolls. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back. We continue to keep the Earl Bacon Agency hotline busy as we return there now. Say hello to a... Former Knoll, well, once a Knoll, always a Knoll, though, and it's a big week. We'll share why uh, momentarily. But Ernie Sims the third, who's a Tallahasseean, as well, joins us. Ernie, how are you? Doing well. Thank you guys for having me on. Hey, we, we, we're glad to have you on. And, you know, I could have done my due diligence and looked this up myself, but I always like to react in shock when you tell me what year you arrived at Florida State and what year you left Florida State, because I'm going to feel uh-huh. really old when you tell me. Oh, uh, come on. I don't do it like that. So I, I, I first arrived in 2003, <laughs> and uh, I will be officially getting walking and getting my degree in 2018. Well, you had a nice little NFL career in there, in between there. And, and uh, the fact that you're going to walk and get your degree this weekend, that, that is the, the impetus for this conversation. So uh, share... You know, there's a lot of folks, and we had Bobby Butler on a couple of years ago. Bobby played with Keith, and uh, Bobby went back and got his degree in his mid fifties right. because right. he he wanted to preach to his kids that uh, if he if he's preaching the value of education, he needed to put his money where his mouth is, so to speak. What was the motivating factor for you, who made a lot of money in the NFL, to go back and earn that degree? Well, there are a lot of a lot of different things. The reason why I went back, but uh, I mean, one of the several things that I the reason why I went back was you know my whole family. You know they they've they've earned their undergraduate degree from Florida State University. Uh, my father, my my mother, and my younger brother. Um, so I definitely wanted to follow their footsteps, and uh, we're a very competitive family. So I didn't want them to outdo me. Um, and then also my kids. Um, you know I have three beautiful kids. Uh, Major, um, he's four. Ernie, he's six. And Savannah, she's one. And um, I wanted to kind of lead lead by example with those guys. And then as you as you've explained with with Bobby Butler, I you know in in the coaching atmosphere and just you know have an opportunity to touch touch kids in general i wanted to show them and kind of lead by example as well and show them that academics is very extremely important um and that you know any type of obstacles you may face in your life and that you can definitely get through it and and um achieve achieve your goals of getting your degree well if we want to jump on that old bandwagon and and go back down nostalgia lane let's let's make sure we establish a couple of things <laughs> number one i played with bobby i got my degree in 81 you can add that up that's a long time ago number yeah, two and our listeners may not be aware but i actually played with your dad 
Wow. And, and let me tell you something. Your dad was not somebody I wanted to mess with in tackling drills. <laughs> but but I'll bring up uh, not necessarily a negative point, but a positive point, and, and it goes along the lines of continuing to reinforce what you said about your family being competitive and how you all uh, work together with each other. Your dad came to Florida State and then had some issues and had to leave Florida State. And, yep. and during that right. time, Ernie, during that time, that happened a lot. There were kids that came and left, and you never saw them again. But he came back, and he got his yeah. degree. Your mom has a degree. Your younger brother has your degree. I mean, th- this is, a, this is a, a family thing that you've added your name to, and, I, and I'm so proud of and for you because of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you, you're right. You know, my, my, my younger brother had a similar situation as well where he, he, he left with North Alabama and actually came back and got his, got his undergraduate as well. Um, so, like, again, I, 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 I definitely – we're, we're definitely a competitive family. And when I walk into my mom's house and I see those degrees hanging on the walls, I say, there's no way that I can't let my parents and my younger brother outdo me. And I wanted to follow their footsteps. And um, I'm definitely, they're definitely proud of me, and I'm, I'm truly excited to get it done. Well, you're to be congratulated, and you'll uh, graduate this weekend as part of the summer commencement ceremonies at Florida State with a degree in, in social sciences. How many of the family members are going to be on hand to, to witness that? Well, that's that's a that's a very very tough. You know, I, I my my mom um, we're huge on families. My mom she invited a, at least twenty people um, to <laughs> attend the ceremony. For some reason, they they don't they they you have to purchase tickets um, additional tickets now. Um, I, I've been able to you know get 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 around about fourteen tickets for for the family, um, and then also I mean, Friday night we celebrate my father's sixtieth birthday. So that's that's another reason why we have a lot of family family members coming in as well. So um, we're we're looking to have probably about about sixteen to to eighteen people who who are going to attend the ceremony. Um, and just you know just get together with the family, haven't seen them in a long time, and laugh and have a good time. Well, congratulations again. I, I want to go back to something you said about setting an example as as a coach, if you will, for for students uh, student athletes. Many may not know. They remember you from Florida State. They and 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 many probably did see the article that Jim Henry wrote in the Tallahassee Democrat last week. But uh, you are now, I guess, serving as a strength coach at FAU. Is that right? So is this your new? Uh, just kind of talk about how you landed there in light of post NFL transition, which I know can be can be difficult for somebody that played a lot of years. I mean, you had a training facility here in town. You were on this radio station doing talk radio for a little bit. Uh, do you think this is maybe what you're meant to do as as you get into coaching? Well, well, when I when I got done playing um, in 2014, when I got when I got released from the Arizona Cardinals, you know, I, I was as I expressed with, with with Jim, you know, I was I was bitter, I was angry, um, I was frustrated. I mean, football, I have excelled at football my whole entire life, essentially, um, and um, I was I felt like I had no identity. I felt like I was lost, and um, you know, I just came back to Tallahassee, you know, the, the grassroots, the place where I grew up, and said I wanted to do more of my foundation, and I did. Um, I opened a training facility. Um, I started different programs here and there, a similar seven program for the kids, a mentoring program at Pineville Elementary, the school that I went to as a, in elementary. Um, and I did things here and there to kind of fill that void that I was feeling. Um, and there, there were times where I didn't want to watch football. Um, I didn't want to, you know, even think about football. And But slowly but surely, I got back into it. I started doing fantasy football. I started, you know, with a similar seven program with the kids, the, lo- the kids there locally. Um, and then next thing you know, I was doing the Under Armour 
All American Games um, camp coaching series with the kids. Um, and what I found in that time is is that you know there was there were a lot of crossover um, with obviously I knew the game of football, but it, it gave me an ability to do what I truly do love doing, just making an impact with the kids, um, sharing my experiences, sharing sharing the knowledge that I've accumulated over the years. Um, and just essentially just giving back something that, that, you know, it all goes back to what my parents did with their, their nonprofit organization. Um, so, you know, I, I, I had a good friend here that, that was coaching here with Lane Kiffin, um, coach Kevin Smith, and we played together for three years in Detroit, in Detroit, um, during, during the unfortunate years in Detroit. Um, and you know, it, the door, the door opened and it presented itself and, you know, I walked right through it, and I, I can't tell you enough of how much I, I, I'm truly enjoying the profession. Um, I was a little hesitant stepping into it when I got out of the NFL, and you know, during that transition in, in, in the last several years, I was very hesitant stepping into it. But I, I can't be, I can't be even more happy of the decision that I've made um, because I, I feel like I have not only the opportunity to share um, the game of the, in the knowledge that I've learned the game that I love, but not only that, I get I get opportunity to make a difference in these kids' lives. And um, at the end of the day, that's that's all I want to do. Um, I feel like I'm I'm going to continue to excel um, up up the coaching ladder. But at the end of the day, I just want to make a difference in one kid's life. And that's that's what I'm truly enjoying down here at FAU right now. Well, it's just you, Keith, and I. It's just a quiet conversation here. So, what what's a Friday night hanging out with Lane Kiffin like? I mean, you can just you can share that with us, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, to be to be very frank, which I have not experienced that yet. Um, <laughs> I, I just I just got here in, in April, but I've, I I'm sure you've heard the stories, and I've definitely heard the stories as well. <laughs> um, but I mean, I tell you what, the guy um, he he seems like he's he's a very tip top guy uh, when it comes to the X's and O's. Um, and I've got a chance to see it behind closed doors, and um, I'm very eager to see it, 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 it live. And when the, when the bullets get live, I'm, I'm very eager to see how where where his ingenuity really comes to play. Ernie, you you're you're now a graduate of the Florida State program. You obviously played here, uh, FAU, FIU. Obviously, we saw what Central Florida did last year. We know about the Big Three. You played against all of them. Uh, what 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 do you what are your comments? What do you think about college football in general in, in the state of Florida with everything that's going on? Well, I think I think the landscape is definitely um, more more competitive, um, especially when when I was in school. Um, you have you have these smaller these smaller Florida schools that are you know capturing capturing the the, the talent and the talent is dispersing to other other schools like you said FAU and Central Florida and um, South Florida. And now FAU, um, I think I think that what what we're doing down here is really special. Um, I think Lane Kiffin has really found a pedigree to being successful, getting transfers, and um, you know recruiting a lot of the speed, talented guys here in, in South Florida, Central Florida. Um, I think I think that it's, it's, it's really going to it's really going to be an interesting year this year. Um, this year we play Central Florida. Uh, we know they're coming off of the the, the undefeated season that they had last year. Um, so they have a ton of talent as well. I think that when it comes to FAU, I mean, we we have we have the skill sets to not only dominate the, the conference USA, but I think that we we have a, a good opportunity to make to make it to um, you know maybe a bowl a bowl game. Um, but I think right now we're we're just taking one step at a time. Uh, we got training camp coming up here in a, in a couple of days. 
Uh, we got our we got our camp coming, and we're just trying to get ready for Oklahoma and take one game at a time. So I'm very excited of what what we've accomplished over the summer, and just to see just to see what 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 we, what we can do moving forward. With due respect to FAU, your current employer and your current team, what well, are you hearing? Definitely. What are you hearing from uh, your former teammates about what's going on at Florida State right now? Nothing but glowing reports, and just 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 so so the record speaks for itself. I I um, will forever and always be a Florida State Seminole. Um, is there, there is no there is no um, denying that, um, and I, I love I love I love FSU. Um, I kid around with my kids all the time. I tell them, I say, I say, listen, sons, you know, um, you know, daddy works for FAU, and it's, it's okay for you to wear FAU clothes and uniforms and jerseys and, and gloves and everything. But let's not let's not mistake ourselves. We're Florida State Seminoles. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but no, I I I, I hear nothing but glowing reports from, from my, my former teammates, from the current players right now. Um, there's a lot of skepticism. There's a lot of excitement. Um, and I, I think I think that there is um, no doubt about it. There's going to be some some, some you know adversity. Um, there's going to be some type of transition. But I think for the most part, I, I, I really think that Tagger really knows what he's doing with the staff that he's he's put together. Um, and most importantly, the kids are having fun. That's that's to me. That's that's what it's all about. We want we want to develop these young men um, to to around a game that's so fun and that they really enjoy playing. And next thing you know, you'll see the passion flowing on the field. Um, so I, I think I think that what what Taggart is doing with that program is exceptional, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it's gonna it's gonna pan out in the, in the, in the season. We'll let you go with one last question here, Ernie. You mentioned that uh, fantasy football helped get you back into football. So a lot of us have drafts coming up in the next few weeks. Which former Knowles have to be or are on your fantasy team? Well, being that being that is uh, that that they just got drafted. Well, just in general, they, I mean, are you are you angling for Dalvin Cook? I mean, who, who you got? Who you got on your team? Which which guys we got to get? Yeah, I, I be honest with you, I wasn't uh, I wasn't um, Dalvin Cook definitely is one one of the running backs that I would definitely add, add to my 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 roster. But if there's any former no that I would definitely pick up in the fantasy fantasy draft would be Devontae Freeman. Um, the guy, the guy is top notch. Lights out. I, I love, I love his game. Um, not only in the running game, but in the pass game as well. He has the ability to make 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 people miss in space. Um, great catching skills. Um, he's just a, just a great overall overall running back um, and, and a ton of productivity. So if I, if I'm if I'm drafting, um, you know some of the top top tier guys in fantasy draft, I'm definitely trying to get my hands on Monte Freeman. Well, that's a perfect uh, way to wrap up this conversation because Devontae Freeman is back in school when he's not playing for the Falcons, working to finish up his degree, too, as you you just did. So, Ernie, congratulations. Uh, Happy birthday to your dad. Keith, you should have seen the look Keith gave when you said that he's turning 60. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm I'm right behind him, brother. Yeah, Keith's in line. (laughs) Hey, but enjoy enjoy the weekend. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me on. And um, as as always, I I love the news. um, I look. I look forward to catching up and following you guys throughout the season. 
All right, likewise. Best of luck. And uh, tell Lane to lay low on those Friday nights outside of the season. All right? <laughs> I will. Thank you, guys. Ernie Sims the third. We'll react to that when we come back. It's a great story. And, uh, boy, you talk about a guy, he's wearing his garnet and gold passion on his sleeve. There's no question about where his allegiance lies. More Front Row Knowles after this. Anything was possible. cruise control and rub my eyes. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Really appreciate Ernie Sims the third joining us there and, uh, it's good to catch up with them and I, I always I, I tell the story a lot one of the you know the privileges I get in my work with the radio network Keith is that I'm down on the sideline and so every game there's a couple former Knowles that are back uh wherever you are you run into somebody and not that I talk to them long but I talk for a couple minutes and see how they're doing and the, just the fact that they're back tells you that they're passionate about the program still but then when you hear it that was coming through the phone lines with Ernie there no question and one of the other things that is kind of embedded in that uh and the article that uh, Jim Henry had our good friend Jim Henry the Democrat had talked about the fact that FSU has uh, a special emphasis or continuing emphasis uh, on getting and presenting the opportunity for these former athletes to come back. And, you know, Ernie left as a junior, I believe. So, I mean, there was no way he was going to graduate. And he had a, a very good NFL career by most standards. Has come back to Tallahassee, done the things that he's done, and then made the decision through some online courses and things like that. But um, uh, Casey King uh, is an individual that heads up some of the academic support at Florida State. And, and they go to great lengths to reach out. You mentioned Devontae and others. Uh, to make sure that they complete that degree, particularly those that leave early for the NFL, and obviously work with uh, Bobby Butler, uh, you know, some thirty something years after the fact, and and I think that's a, a growing trend and something that um, is very um, admirable about Florida State and their former athletes, uh, that they don't just turn their back to them, but they create ways and, and, and give whatever assistance is, is appropriate and, and helpful to help them come back and get those degrees. And, and I applaud all of that effort. Casey King and Dr. Greg Beaumont, too. And I don't know where Willie Taggart falls on this because he hasn't been here long enough yet for his former players to come back. But based on uh, how he's, you know, his interest in academics and and – what he's done so far just in one semester with the GPA rising and just really making the kids more accountable. I can't imagine that he wouldn't be on board with that too. Without question. I'm uh, old enough. Um, not that I'm turning 60 like Ernie's dad is, but I do bring that up again. Didn't you? I'm going to bring that up. Uh, see, this is the downside for you, Keith. As long as we do this show, you'll forever be older. This is true. So it will forever give me that opportunity. Um, and I'll always be better looking too. So, I mean, it's just a, it's, it's two holes for you to climb out of. Um, I was at Ernie's signing at North Florida Christian, which I guess would have been February of 2003 based on what he said. So we're talking 15 years ago now when he, when he signed with Florida. Back in those days, especially when I was at channel 27, it used to be a race around town to get all the kids signing. But uh, Ernie was a big deal. His dad had played at FSU. He was a talented kid, had a nice career at Florida State and a long career in the NFL. So congratulations there. 
Very much. Very much. Let me take a moment, uh, and we've still got plenty of time to go on Front Row Knowles, to remind you that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go check in with Ron and his staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. They've got a couple locations uh, to choose from. 3269 Crawfordville Highway, but also uh, just off Lake Bradford uh, at 1110 Stuckey Avenue, right by the railroad tracks or crossing right there. You can visit them online at ctf.nu. They've been serving the Big Bend since 1995. Good folks. Very good folks. Keith, we never finished our conversation last week about why we weren't going to attend Saturday Night Live. So I feel like now is the time that we'll just weigh in, and then we'll get to the good news that came out of it. Well, the the biggest reason that I wasn't going to attend Saturday Night Live is it dealt with recruiting, and I don't follow recruiting, so our listeners, that will come to no surprise. But really, if you want to be honest, the selfish reason was it's hot. And, and no question. It's not good for me to sit out in the hot sun. The bigger point, and I didn't finish this story last week that I wanted to share, Keith, is just that if we had any brains in our head, we would care about and cover recruiting because I knew very early on when I did that hotline for the Osceola and saw the numbers spike that despite my thoughts about what a 16-year-old may be doing, people care. There is a group out there that does. And and there's been a lot of uh, websites and entities that have made quite the livelihood by covering recruiting. And and obviously Florida State cannot and has restrictions and and we've had this conversation with Tim as well about what what they can say officially uh and it's very limited, but there are a number of uh, media outlet types people that were there to report and by all accounts it was an all-star group. Uh, there were at least two new commitments three. Uh, that I remember reading about, three. And uh, it's it's just the nature of how things are today uh, that, you know, whether as old folk that don't care much about recruiting, whether we care about it or not, it's still very, very important. The staff cares about it. The school cares about it. And there were a couple, three or four thousand Well, that is the asterisk. Don't, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I get the importance of it i'm more on the it's the jimmy's and the joe's side than it's the x's and the o's side i get all that i've just seen it long enough that sometimes guys that are completely hyped don't pan out and sometimes guys you haven't heard of do and it is a more exact science now than what it used to be 25 30 years ago but it's still inexact to some degree so anyway that's our little disclaimer on that we don't get into recruiting you guys know that as you listen to the show but it is it is going well for taggart and you know we made such an emphasis when he came on board about having to hit the ground running with an early signing period what we didn't talk about is the fact that that lag period as a new staff continues into your next class because they're having to play catch up right now on this class of 2019 i mean he didn't have his whole class his whole coaching staff pieced together until what mid-january and they had to put such emphasis on the 2018 class and now it's magnified because you've got six weeks shorter for the 2019 class because they'll sign before christmas again so the work is never done all that said florida state's looking at a top 10 class right now and and probably will go up from there just because they have fewer commits than a lot of the uh, their other programs one of the things that coach taggart i thought did a very good job of uh, you know in assembling his staff you know there's there's what two main things an assistant coach does he coaches and he recruits. Uh, then there are a thousand other things that they have to be good at as well, but those are the, the main most ones, as they say. And uh, every one of the new staff members that he brought in had a history and a reputation 
of being an excellent recruiter, and I think that's continuing to carry forward. Yeah, you you got to want to do that. Uh, you know, I, I've I've got long-standing friendships with uh, guys that were on staff when I was there, and and talking to them after they've retired. And and the one uh, huge hurdle uh, about being an assistant coach, segment coach at the college level is the absolute pressure and the amount of time, an ungodly amount of time. And we heard Stan Jones talk about it on the basketball side last week. The ungodly amount of time you have to spend in this thing called recruiting. There is no such thing as a 40-hour work week for assistant coaches at the college level. Which is probably why you never gave serious thought to going into coaching, did you? I, I never did. I, I saw the effort that that my segment coach, Jack Stanton, uh, my, my continuing good friend, uh, and Coach Gladden and Billy Sexton and and George Henshaw that's retired here to Tallahassee. Uh, I mean, I, I just saw what they went through. I know how hard it was for us as athletes. We didn't have the twenty hour rule back then, and so there were you know long days. Appropriately, everybody was doing that, um, and it was just not something that I was willing to to invest in. And my hats off to folks like Ernie who might want to get into coaching and other folks like my former roommate, Reggie Herring, that's now with the uh, the Denver Broncos. That was their calling. That's what they wanted to do. Hats off to Coach Bowden. Coach Bowden, Coach Bowden loved recruiting. He loved meeting people and being around people. And he loved being on the road and, and all that, that entailed. And that's why he was so good at it. By all accounts, this staff embraces that same that same philosophy. Front row Knowles each and every week right here. You know that, Keith. Next week, uh, we will have had a couple of days of practice. So uh, Monday is when the team will officially report. They'll get started from there. We're just a few Mondays away from that opener against Virginia Tech. I feel like the optimism is running high regarding that game uh, and the, the start of the season. But obviously, the schedule is very backloaded this year once you get to Notre Dame and Clemson and NC State in a row, not in that order, but... Right, and I think one of the things that we've got to be careful about, you and I included, i.e. Seminole Nation, you and I included, is uh, you know a lot of the reports that you're getting out early from Virginia Tech about the number of kids they've lost in their secondary, their quarterback got suspended, then he's been reinstated. This has happened, that's happened, the other's happened. And, and I hope we don't get into this false sense of because of the euphoria thinking we're going to go in and we're going to be 28-point favors over Virginia Tech and Labor Day night's just going to be, you know, a celebration of, of the Willie Taggart era. That's a, that's a very talented football team with a great coaching staff with, with players just as good as Florida State players. And regardless of the negative you're hearing coming out of Blacksburg, they'll be ready to play. They will play and they will give effort and it will be I do think it's going to be. A, I do think it's going to be a really good atmosphere, yep. though. And P Dub having his, uh, you know, being honored that night, Peter Wark. That's that's going to add to it. Let me talk a little bit more. Uh, we haven't really gotten into this, I don't think. But when you, uh, one of the concerns about this style of offense, most of what we've heard is the positive. You know, you're creating mismatches, you're spreading the field further, your guys aren't lined up because you're going so quick. But when your quarterback is always in the shotgun. And it's third and six inches. We saw this with Clemson, I think, in the 2014 game when a ball was snapped over the QB's head. And I, Whether it's being in the shotgun or just can you get the tough – one of Jimbo's criticisms, because Jimbo, and it's no secret, not a fan of these offenses that Coach Taggart runs. One of his criticisms would be, you know, are you winning the battle in the trenches when you have to? Can you get the tough yard? So that's my question to you. The obvious answer is we don't know yet, 
uh, we got to wait to see that happens. You know, the one thing that's uh, that has become part of that, though, that I've seen a little bit from some of these up-tempo um, offenses, and, we, and we've seen Clemson do it just a little bit, is, is if, if it's third and six, then we're going to line up in the power eye with two tight ends, even though one of those tight ends might be a wide receiver, and we're going to play old school, and we're going to root you out of there and get that yard. And that's back to your question, two-part. Number one, can you do it? But number two, how do you go about doing it? And instead of sitting back there in the shotgun with with uh, four wides on third and, and six inches, we've started to see some of these up-tempo teams, as I mentioned, go to a heavy set right. and, and go eye back or, or full back or, or two tight ends and, and do it old school. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Do you think – well, not that I, we, I think everybody thinks that he'll go for it more than Jimbo did on fourth down. I don't think it's going to be that he's going to be at his own 10-yard line and go for it on fourth and eight, though. Do you have any feel for what that will end up translating to? Well, I, I think if I can answer the question a little differently, I think what that will mean is that we will not be as uh, concerned when it's third and 12 as we would have been last year when it was third and 12. Because you and I made comments during Depending the spring game. Depending on field position. You and I made comments during the, the, the spring game itself. Third down is a different down now with this up-tempo uh, spread offense. Uh, you may go two plays and drop a ball and be second and 10 and then throw a, a bubble screen, screen and get tackled for a two-yard loss and be third and 12 and come right back with an 18-yard pass you know, on and out. That's just the nature of this offense. So third and long isn't – the the dismal down that it used to be uh, under the old regime, uh, it, it's going to be a little different. So that, that's how I would answer that. We, we well, fourth, fourth down may be a little different from field position standpoint, but certainly you would hope third down conversion is a little better than it used to. Well, be. your point rolls into if you are going to go for it more on fourth down, you call your first three downs differently perhaps i mean if you're already at midfield and you know you're going to go for it in fourth down i'm just wondering what it'll translate are we going to see 47 yard field goal attempts or are we going to see you're going for it on that fourth and three i think you would err more on going for it on that, yeah that's that what that i that's what three. i th- uh, now having said that you know you do have a guayo and with all the good and or the bad he is an exceptional kicker with a strong leg you know, maybe the first couple of three games you do it a little different just to be cautious and you open it up in games four or five. I don't know. But uh, I, think it, I think it will be a little more aggressive. I think we can be safe in saying that. Have we seen I – don't, I, don't, I don't know that we've seen it. Does he do anything, Coach Taggart, I'm talking about interesting on extra points, i.e. go for two or, or uh, roll the whole team – to the left hash and then see how the defense I haven't seen anything but I will tell you that I don't think there's anything off the table go back to your earlier comment if you're lining up your wide receiver on the left two yards from the sideline and you're lining up your wide receiver on the right three yards from the sideline I don't think anything else is off the table. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a fair point, no question. One thing we didn't mention that uh, was announced yesterday, the and I don't know all the specifics, and I don't have the release in front of me, but the back porch will now exist at uh, Doe Campbell Stadium outside of Gate K, uh, and it opens two hours beforehand, but uh, you can purchase a beer or an alcoholic beverage there, and I guess it's it's open through the third quarter. What wasn't clear to me is, uh, if you have to stay in that area or you can grab a beer and then go into the stands, but it, it clearly seems to be a, a testing of the market, if you will, for Florida State. And 
honestly, and I don't know the number right now, I feel like before last season or maybe two years ago, we were up to 35 to 40 schools that were selling beer in their stadiums nationally. And we're probably getting pretty close to half of the, um, you know, D1 or BCS college football programs that are doing it. Well, I think it's a good first step, and I applaud Florida State for for taking steps and not just willy-nilly going into it. We'll see how it works out. You and I had a comment during the break um, about the Dame. You were you were not necessarily a big fan of the back porch. Uh, I really like that name, and and it goes back to the age old thing that uh, has been talked about in the last at least ten years. How your athletic departments are the front porch of your university. Well, there's the back porch where you can gather and mingle with friends and have an adult beverage. I, mean, I guess we could call it the deck, <laughs> but I like the back porch. We'll have Jason Dennard on from Florida State Athletics Marketing. We have him on every August or so. In the next week or two, we'll have him on because there's been other talk about uh, a DJ being incorporated uh, pregame and during the game and how will that flow with the marching chiefs and uh, other changes and tweaks that they always make. And, going one, and one that has been made that you don't necessarily like to talk about but is also very good news is, is some bathroom upgrades. <laughs> Well, that was done as part of the Champions Club when, yep. they, when they when they got that constructed. So that's been over the last two years. There's also going to be a, a players walk in, which that legacy, we, walk. legacy, legacy walk. walk. We do need to get the word out about that uh, as that's new and starting up. But uh, we'll have we'll have JD join us here in uh, in coming weeks to talk about. It. And then I'm sure there's some other things. He he and uh, the the staff there organized the Friday night block parties as well, which will be back at College Town again for a second straight year the good news is the calendar says august very much so very much so and uh, there'll be some things on the field to be reacting and talking about not just things that uh, well, i guess we just make up well now we get to the overreaction stage somebody made one play at practice in the one period that was open to the media so we anoint him a hall of famer no, I'm excited. There, there's a lot of reason to be excited, and, we, and we've talked about it. It, it gets uh, it gets long over the summer months, but now that August is here, they'll be in you know in pads soon, and and uh, it won't be long till till it's Labor Day night, and we're enjoying some football at Dope. I think there's two things that uh, Florida State fans can can feel good about. Number one, uh, the respect that the ACC is achieving as a whole uh, it continues to improve and increase. Uh, so therefore, if you are successful within the ACC, there's no longer the excuse that, well, it's the ACC, you should have been successful. And number two, um, you know, Florida State not being on, on top, now looking up and trying to get back on that mountaintop uh, creates a new dynamic. And with a new head coach and a new system on offense and defense, um, that excitement is back uh, to Florida State football. It's going to be exciting. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We will talk to you next week right here on Front Row Knowles.